0: Does anything
1: faze you ever? Oh yeah. People faze me when they have bad attitudes. People faze me when they're nice to other people. And this is as I've grown up and I've learned people need to be nicer to each other. And I've met, we have thousands of tenants. So I've heard thousands of stories and you see it. And what triggers me is when people are mean and they have no reason to be mean and I say, you just don't know what that person's dealing with. We get frustrated driving down the street. I talk to my daughters when they're driving and I say, we get frustrated because there was a car accident and we can't get by and it took us like an extra 20, 30 minutes. So sometimes the road is closed. They said, just thank God you weren't in that accident. I said, oh, you just gotta look at the bigger picture. Have Bibby, hopping the Lamborghini. Huh, I'm midi, only I'm midi. Huh,
0: have Bibby, hop in the Lamborghini. Huh, left for a minute. I don't know, sir. Look at the cash, just finished. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's your host, KB. Another episode of Stroke of Success podcast here. Today's guest is someone real special. And I'm gonna go in backstory a little bit. So for me, I'm super excited for two reasons. And by the way, my wife is also super excited. I'll tell you why. The gentleman in front of me is a real estate investor. As you all know, I'm a real estate guy. I've been for five, six years now. But besides that, this individual is on a TV show that me and my wife love to watch. (laughs) That's right, guys. My friends are probably going to give me a hard time but I'm admitting this. I'm a huge fan of Bravo. I love the channel. I'm a fan of Housewives of Miami, Housewives of Beverly Hills, Housewives of New York. Mm-hmm. And I, we, I, we both were watching the season last year, and we found Todd Nepala. And we're like, you know what, I have to interview him. He's the author of this book called Keep It Real, Commercial Real Estate. He's on a TV, show, a TV show called Housewives of Miami. He's a commercial real estate investor. Mm-hmm. Todd, welcome to the show. Pleasure, KB. Thanks for having me. It means a lot to me. Seriously, it means a lot to me. And I'll be honest with you, when I reached out to you, I thought my chances would be really slim. You're a busy man, I follow you on social media, your real estate investment, TV show. But So thank you for you know, taking the time and doing this for me. Well, it's my pleasure, yeah. and it just goes to show you, like I tell everybody, you can reach anyone if you yeah. try. Yes, Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> Todd, um, we have a lot in common. Yes, we sure do. We now I know that. And, uh, let's start from, so I did a lot of research on you. My team did, actually. Credit to my team. Your family's from Italy. Yes. Okay. You're born in? I'm born in Staten Island, New York. Okay. Let's start from there. So how did mom and dad's
1: transition? How were you born in Staten Island? How was life in Staten Island? Life in Staten Island, truthfully, was great. You okay. know, it's all we knew. I was a kid. I was born in 1972, so the world was obviously different. Uh, I'm not one who looks back and says it was better than. It was just different so back then it was you know no cell phones you'd go out and play with your friends and until the street lights came on that meant it was time to go home sure. uh, your parents had to trust you at very young ages to just get on your bike and go so i had a great childhood and at 13 years old my parents decided it was time to move south and originally we were going to go to new jersey which a lot of people from staten island they moved mm-hmm. to jersey but my mom said let's just skip that and keep heading south down to florida and i was all for it i was at that time a freshman in high school and I said, I look forward to this. So we gave it a shot. We moved down to Florida. I couldn't have been happier. And I've stayed ever since. What part of Florida did you get to moved to? We moved right over to this area I'm still in now, which is then called North Miami Beach, right. which is now called the city of Aventura. Yes, I love it. I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Okay, so how old were you when you moved to South Florida? I was 13, 14 years okay. old. You're
0: 72, born in 72? Born in 1972. Um, born in Brooklyn, New York, as we talked about yeah. it. I agree with you, man. New York. Especially in the '70s, and the '80s were the best decades, in my opinion. Different time. Yeah. The crime was bad, though. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that the crime was at when you were?
1: I do. I remember it, but you know, it's like anything else. When then, you live there, and this is it. all you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But. Crime wasn't the way it is now. We didn't have back then so much of the craziness of some stuff that's happened. Yeah. Crime was, you know, if you had something, someone was going to mug you or take your money. They didn't want to hurt you. No, they so. just want to take the stuff. But I was a young kid, so that really, nobody was looking to mug a you know, 12-year-old kid, so yeah, I was yeah. pretty safe. You're Italian. Yes. A
0: lot of Italians in New York. Yes. That's a lot, one thing I, about, I love about New York. Um, the Italian feast they have in August, mm-hmm. and Brooklyn is huge feast. But, you know, how was it in your perspective in New York being raised— you have Jewish, Mm -hmm. you have the Pakistani, I'm my my descendant of Pakistani, Indians, you have the Chinese, Italian, the
1: Russian, the Polish. How was that for you? You know, it's a great question. I don't get asked that a lot, but I think about it sometimes my childhood, and I was lucky because I went to public school in the New York City school system. Staten Island's part of the five boroughs, and I still to this day can remember all their names. I won't say them all, but I mean, I I had, you know, I had black friends. I will say, I remember you know, Pat Newball was one of my friends in like fifth grade. And then I had Chinese friends, Kenny Yu. He was also into martial arts. They owned the Chinese restaurant. People I haven't seen in decades or mm. heard from. I had Greek friends. I had white friends. I had Jewish friends, but we didn't label anyone. They no. were just my friends. Just friends. So I didn't know any different. Me, me, you know, I laugh sometimes because now I think I remember how Kenny would always go to my house and bring fortune cookies because yeah. he was in the Chinese food yeah. business. But like, Nobody was anything no. other than whoever you were. Yes. And we all went out, we played, we picked on each other and had a great time. Yeah. I think the labeling came a little later on down the line. I agree with you. And it, it ruined a lot of things. Yeah, you know, Same thing, you know, I, Brooklyn, same
0: exact thing. I had friends from all over the world. Yeah. And, you, you never, and it was kind of interesting. You go to the house and you're like, wait a minute, that's your holiday? Yep. That's what you guys celebrating? Okay, you're doing you, Hanukkah. We're doing this, we're doing that. So, interesting. Florida, you young guy. I mean, South Florida's insane. Yeah. It's always had beautiful women. The weather here is amazing. Very different from New York, where we come from. The snow, and you know, the smoke and the hustle and bustle. Come to Florida. How was life? Were you the middle-class guy, higher-class guy?
1: Life was great. You know, my my dad did well. Uh, We weren't. I wouldn't consider us rich. We certainly weren't poor. Sure. But we did well. But we were able to move to a place called Turnberry Isle. Okay. Yeah. And. Turnberry at the time, it was you know, created by Don Sofa, who's the pioneer of, to me, all of South Florida. He He's one of the kings, and now his kids have taken over and done fantastic. Yeah. But it was one of the greatest experiences for me because I got to interact with all these super rich people. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't think they were billionaires back then, but mega, mega rich people. And because I was young at the time, 14, 15, 16, these guys all saw my hustle. And they saw a part of them when they were young. And I had guys like, I, I, don't, I guess I don't forget names. I had guys like Leon Rudiman, who was like the CEO of Time Life magazine, taking an interest in me. He was probably 60 and he would show me things. And Erwin Tauber, who was a huge real estate guy, was always very generous with his time and tipping me to wash his cars, wash their boats. So I got to learn from these guys and emulate them and say, I want to be like them. These guys had the cars, the boats, the women, the houses. And that was the days that Miami Vice was coming out. And these guys, they were doing it legally. And I said, i got to be like them. And they took an interest in me because I worked hard, and it was a great experience. So I was always very happy to be there. You come from a family of investors. Yes. Okay. Talk about that. So your father moved to South Florida. Was he doing what you're doing now? No. So my father was an engineer at a college, and he worked for a company called Port Jefferson in New York. And he was an engineer did the interior warehouse designs of uh, supermarkets okay. and grocery stores. And he lost his job, and I don't know if it was 79, 80, 81, right around when I was very young, but he lost his job and it was from one day to the next, you're out of work. So we started selling cars out of his house and he would go buy cars, fix them up and sell them so we could make some money. Wow. And uh, we were certainly not in great shape financially then, but again, when you're young, you don't really know that. So uh, we would sell the cars and then from there my dad started renting car lots and then he started the car business and he figured out there was more money renting car lots than actually operating them. So he had a few car lots. So that's, that was his investing. He never really got into investing the way I do, where I became more of a landlord. He started doing it for car dealerships and realized I could retire off the rent. So that's what he basically did. That's amazing. So he was an entrepreneur. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Your mom was a housewife? Yes. Okay. And off. an entrepreneur. She was a schoolteacher okay. when she met my dad. And then, well, when she was married to my dad when she was younger, then she was a stay-at-home mom, which was very typical. And then uh, after my brother and I went off to college, she got that itch to do something business-wise. So she opened up two lingerie stores. Oh, wow. And she did that for a couple of years. And then she decided it's better to be a housewife and stay home and not work. So she gave that up. Interesting. So the entrepreneur it must have been in your blood. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Wow. So dad did the car stuff. Okay. When you met these mentors of yours, like you say you hustle. If you were 17,
1: 18, 19. mm mm-hmm. Okay. Like... Explain your hustle. You know, I figured out at a young age that, at a very young age, that we don't necessarily get paid for how hard we work. So I wanted to figure out a different strategy. So I knew living in Turnberry, these people came down. Most of them came on vacation and myself included were a bit more generous on vacation with our money, but these guys had cars and boats and I loved boats. So I started asking if I could wash their boats and they said, sure, you could wash the boat. So that was my first business. I was about 14 years old when I first started this. And I'd wash their boats, and as we had a relationship, they would trust me. So I'd wake up like at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, on Saturdays and Sundays, and sometimes on Fridays before school. I'd go out there, I'd uncover the boats, I'd wipe the boats off with the chamois, get them nice and clean. I'd put them in the water because they were on lifts, I'd start the engines, and then I would leave for the day. And then, I'd go to school, or I'd go to the beach with my friends, whatever it was, these people would use their boats, I'd come back at the end of the day, their boats would be there, I'd lift them up, I'd clean them off, wash the salt water off, flush the engines out with some fresh water, cover them up, and these guys were giving me $50 to $100 a day for that, and I had friends who were working in the Aventura Mall doing great in sales, I'd work in stores like you know, merry-go-round and sure. stuff, and they're like, I had a great day today, I made 80 bucks, which was great money back right, then, right, right. And I'm like, yeah, I had a great day too, I made mean, $600, and it was like it was just out of the stratosphere, and I realized, I said, these guys really pay you, which is when I said, there's more. I should be washing their cars that they leave here when they take their boats out. Sure. So then I started a car wash business. So I'd wash the boats. They'd leave. I'd start washing the cars. And again, I'd have the whole day free. And I was making more money in two days, two and a half days a week of work than some people's parents were. 17, 18, 19. Yeah. You're super young. You could have been at the clubs. I was doing that, too. Okay. You know, I never... I tell my kids this all the time. You could do both. You could do both. I was going out. I mean, I guess there's a statute of limitations. So, yes, I had the fake IDs okay. and I was going to the clubs. Yeah. I, was at, I was at Facade before I probably even had a driver's license sure. in North Miami Beach. And I had a great time. But that also motivated me. And it also motivated me because I would see some of the guys doing the wrong thing. And I noticed that it ended, whether they were, you know, scamming money or doing something right. illegal, whatever it was. I'd see it go from this grand lifestyle to over so I always wanted to emulate the guys who were, you know, positioned in real businesses. Yeah, it never ends well. So I, w- no. I, I, I told you I came to Miami, Florida, from New York.
0: I was 18, 19, and same thing, mm-hmm. fake idea. I knew the yep. owner of the club, clubs uh, South Beach, and you get into clubs. And you're 100% right. You saw the legit people here with mm-hmm. the, the tables and the beautiful women, and you saw the tables here with people that you know are doing, you know, not so good stuff. Yep. And uh, eventually, these people, you know, get caught so you know for my entrepreneurs watching this podcast remember there's as todd said you can make money both ways but remember the, the right way goes a
1: long way yeah there are no shortcuts there are no shortcuts <laughs> todd talk to me so uh when, you, when you're in your 20s what happened in your 20s so i didn't want to go to high school uh, to college excuse me after high school but all of my friends were leaving so i said well i better go do something i'm going to be very lonely and bored so I went to Hillsborough Community College in Tampa, and back then, I don't know if they still have it, there was a program after two years you could transfer into USF, so that was my path. I'm very honest. I tell people I really had no interest in school. I wanted to work. I was throwing parties and doing things like that at nightclubs. I actually got my, my father owned the bail bonds company, so I got my bail bonds license at 18 years old. I started being a bail bondsman in Tampa. So school wasn't really my thing, but I went to school which is funny now because years later I became obsessed with learning and schooling myself and reading and Google videos and podcasts. But when I was in school, it wasn't as important yes. So that was the next phase. And of course, after school, I knew I wanted to work for sure. I mean, I wanted to work when I was in school, but at that time, Wall Street was everything and everybody wanted to be Gordon Gecko from Wall Street. So I went right down that lane and got into Wall Street and started being a stockbroker and then do some investment banking deals. And that went on for a couple of years. But at the same time I was doing that, I was very lucky because the business was great and timing was perfect in the 90s for that. Real estate was not a good market, but I was smart enough to figure out that as much money as you're making as a stockbroker, this is commission based. So you can make a lot of money one week and make zero the next. So I was looking for lines of income and now everybody calls it the trendy word is cash flow. But to me, it was just how can I make some money where I don't have to go to work? So I looked into real estate. I looked into pay phones. I looked into ATMs. I looked into everything. And ultimately, I bought my first property at 25 years old. It was uh, a warehouse right down the block from where we are sitting on today. And I still own it. So June of 1998 to today, still own it. Still have it. Three of the tenants are the same tenants from the day I bought it. And I have no plans to sell it. That's amazing.
0: That's amazing. Wow. You're in Tampa, USF, yep. alumni. I and mean, for those who don't know, I would do USF also. I did my undergrad there. Insane, man. Wow. Did you have a vision? So you, you heard of this phrase called law of attraction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Did you ever have a vision back then? You said, KB, listen, man, I had a vision. I gonna manifest this. I'm going to be like that guy
1: and that guy, that person. Was something like that in your head back then? It's another great question you have there. A lot of these terms have come around later on, like with, you know, stuff like the secret and all and manifestation. So back then it wasn't those terminologies. But for sure, I looked up to people as role models. And I tell people, they said, well, they're your mentor. And I say, they were my mentor, they just didn't know it. I mean, I have so much respect for Don Sofer, but I don't sit around asking him business advice. But I modeled what he does, and I look at what he does, and I look at what worked and what didn't work. I mean, to me, he's an icon in real estate, especially in South Florida. But yes, I wanted to be like them, but I wasn't, it wasn't the law of attraction. Sure. But I certainly didn't say to myself, one day I want to own all the real estate. I want to, like, it just kind of happens little happen. by little, yeah.
0: But it had to be a seed there, Todd. There had to be something, like, you know, like, what I'm doing right now in front of you, and I told you when my stroke happened, hmm. my stroke happened five minutes from here. And I was laying, laying in bed when, God, when I got the bad news. I'm like, God, this is not my you know, final destination. And I had this thing that, you know, and then finally I was, I was up and running, walking. Okay. I got my phone, and I'm on my phone looking at different people speaking on the stages and doing what you're doing in social media. I'm like, you know what, one day I'm gonna do this. So lo and behold, I'm sitting next to you, which is an honor and a pleasure. So that seed was planted in my head that I'm going to one day have a podcast, interview multi-millionaire like yourself. You ever had
1: that in, in like, a, like, Oh, yeah. Have an office looking over this beautiful location? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, when I was really young, I actually used to, I wanted to, you know, take over companies, you know, stuff you see on TV and sure. movies. And I said, that could be me. And Like I said, when I would watch Wall Street, I said, you know, I'd want to have an office like Gordon Gecko yeah. and buy out companies and do risk arbitrage yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. There you go. But I had all those visions. Yes. And I even said when I first started getting into real estate, I would do the math and I'd say, gee, if that one worked and I buy one and at that time I was 25, I said, "Could I imagine if I bought one a year? The thing is, I don't actually believe, myself included, any of us dream as big as what's capable. So when you vision it, you could fantasize sometimes, but your dreams and your goals sometimes don't match your fantasies. Sure. So, yeah, I picture myself in all these things. But then when you start putting it on paper, say, well, if I just got to here, that'd be fantastic. Yes. But as... The ball starts rolling down, especially with the real estate, which is why I love real estate so much. It multiplies so fast that I don't think anyone could imagine how quickly it multiplies if you hold on to your real estate. Absolutely true. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Mm.
0: With that being said, you, dude, you're a really good-looking guy. <laughs> Thank you're, you. You're a handsome guy, and, I, <laughs> and when I met you, I'm kind of taken back. To be handsome in South Florida, back in the day, how was that? Was that distracting? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, making some money. Miami Beach, South Beach was blowing up around that same time. Like, How was that lifestyle for you?
1: I still have a lot of fun. Uh, I'm happily married. Yes, you are. <laughs> we'll get to but, that uh, in a And my wife is beautiful, so I yes. guess I met my match She's in that beautiful. sense. Uh, you know, growing up in South Florida was really great. I will say, uh, you know, I, I, I always laugh at the line when, you know, uh, when Jay-Z says it, there's no such thing as an ugly billionaire. Yeah. It is true. The money supersedes the looks because I got a lot of friends I know that are very, very good looking, but they have no money unfortunately they don't get the same attention and access yeah. but growing up in south florida is really a great place not distra- distracting i guess it could be for some if you're, you're focused uh, But if you love what you do, like, this is where I want to be. I look forward to Mondays. like, you know, I I want to do what I do. I don't go home at Friday at 5 o'clock and say, I'm done for the weekend. Give me a beer. I'm all mad. Yeah. So I love what I do. So I'm not really distracted because this is where I want to be. And this is what I want to do. And I hope everybody finds that path of whatever it is. You want to be the best veterinarian, artist, whatever it is. Just be the best you can be at what it is and you'll enjoy it. You won't won't get distracted then. No. Mm -hmm. I have some friends.
0: I have some people that I know, entrepreneurs like yourself, younger not as successful, but man, they can't get married. They don't want to get married. Mm. They live here. They have the yachts and the, the Lambo and the Ferraris. And the women are just gorgeous, right?
1: Men and women both are just amazing looking in South Florida. So, it's true. It's a little short sighted, though. Yes, I agree I mean, with you. At some point, you want someone by your side who is really aligned with I agree. you. And yeah, I mean that that's fun for a minute, I guess. But at some point. I agree with you. At some I, point I, I met, gotta stop using people. I guess you're right.
0: <laughs> I met my wife. I was 22. She was like 19. 20, and I've been with her. I'm 41. Right. So I've been with her forever. And and I, if she wasn't in my corner, I think I don't think I would, I would be where I am at. Right. She, she's the inspiration behind this podcast. She's one kind of pushed me to do it. Right. So with that being said, you first you bought your first uh, building in 1998. Mm-hmm. Right. Tell me what what happened to the journey after that. What was the? Would you have some setbacks or something? I like
1: setbacks stories. I got a little lucky with the building because mm-hmm. nobody wanted to buy real estate then. This yeah. was the 1990s after the RTC sure. collapsed and the bank, the government took over a lot of real estate. So I bought the building and I didn't need any income from it because again, I was a single guy. And I think back then I was living well in a brand new rental community. The rent was like $900 a month for a one bedroom. I had like a Jeep Cherokee and like a limited even, it was like $400, my expenses were very low. So when I bought the real estate, the income didn't matter. So I put every penny I had right down to my last $50 into the property And I even went and applied for credit cards before the closing thinking, if I'm short, I would take money off the credit cards, which luckily I didn't have to do. And I got lucky because when I bought it in June, I remember going to the closing and the lawyer, and I won't say his name because I won't use that, but I do remember his name. But he did tell me, he's like, what's your plan? And I said... I'm going to re-sign leases with existing tenants because of the foreclosure on the property those leases were voided. I said, I'm going to fill the space. I'm going to clean the place up and make it great. I said, then I'm going to refinance and get my money back out. And then I'm going to go buy another one. And he literally laughed at me and told me, you think that real estate's that easy? And I kind of did. And then when I would go to work as a stockbroker, even the guy who taught me the business of being a stockbroker, he was laughing at me. He's like, you're going to put all that money into a piece of real estate and that's how much money you're going to make? He's like, That's the dumbest thing. And they were picking on me and laughing at me. And I said, huh. But I closed in June. And in July and August, I worked. I remember getting my first tenant. I still remember his name, Adrian LaFont. And he came in and he gave me the deposit. And he was my first tenant I signed. I did renew leases with the four existing tenants. We signed leases for the three spaces that were vacant. I had my friends come out because, again, I'm 25. So I paid them. We had beers and stuff over there and uh, pizzas. And we cleaned the place up. We emptied out vacant units. We painted it. We made it look really great. And in December of 1998, I completed the refinance and it appraised for 800000 I bought it for 575. I was able to get $600,000 out. I got all my money plus about another $10,000, 15000 after the closing cost. And I was off to the races. January, one month later, not only was the property fully cashed out, I was getting $5,000 a month in cash flow out of the property, which was more than I was probably spending at that point in time. And I was like, this is the greatest business in the world. And I was happy that people were so down on real estate because I had my pickings. I would, brokers would call me, I, I could just pick between 10 properties. The total opposite of what it is today. That's insane. Yeah, Lord, who said that to you, I
0: think his belief system by probably very limited. Yeah. I think you don't know any better. Sometimes that's the best thing, right? When Absolutely. You don't want, you're, you're ignorant and like, this is easy, and it, it is. How,
1: let me ask you, Todd, how often do you see people making more complicated? All the time. All the time. I think that's one of the biggest problems and especially I, I mentor a lot of young people and I have high school kids and college kids and all ages come into the office and they come in and they give me all the reasons why certain things won't work. And I tell them, and you're right. They yes. don't focus on even in life, even if it's not about real estate, like, but what about the things that could go right? Just focus on that. We don't know what could go right or wrong, no. but just focus on what could go right. And when something goes wrong, you'll deal with, it. deal with it. I mean, look, we're in real estate. Hurricanes happen. Fires happen. We had a car drive through a window last week, and it's going to happen. But deal with it one by one. Don't anticipate the bad. That's insane. So I have a, I have a, a coach, a mentor. I, I, he's helping with
0: mindset stuff. And we had a session yesterday. And he said, give me, goes, Can you tell me three emotions that you think, a feeling that uh, uh, you would like, you're the best version of KB should have to be super successful. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I go, I go, cool, calm, collective. He goes, yeah, write that down, cool, calm, okay. Second one, unfazed. And number three was abundance. So if me, KB, and uh, I'm here, and if I see the best version of myself walking in, the uh, multi-millionaire KB walking in, he should be unfazed, he should be abundant, and should be super focused, right? That that describes you. You had a car come into the building. And does anything phase you ever?
1: Oh yeah. Uh, people phase me when they have bad attitudes. Uh, people phase me when they're nice to other people. And this is as I've grown up and I've learned like people need to be nicer to each other. And I've met we have thousands of tenants, so I've heard thousands of stories. And you see it. And what triggers me is when people are mean. And they have no reason to be mean. And I say, you just don't know what that person's dealing with. And at any given time, even like I said, like, we get frustrated driving down the street. I talk to my daughters when they're driving and I say, we get frustrated because there was a car accident and we can't get by. And it took us like an extra 20, 30 minutes. So sometimes the road is closed. They said. Just thank God you weren't in that accident. There you go. I there said, you, go. you just got to look at the bigger picture. And I guess people say, oh, it's easier for you now. It's only easier for me now because I've gotten older and wiser. Sure. And for sure, that expression with age comes wisdom is for sure. But I'm not going to let issues that are minor bother me. If it's not a problem in a couple of years from now, it's not a problem at all. It's just a situation. Yeah. But I, that's just how I live. I'm, the only thing that really triggers me is bad people. Yeah, that's amazing. Hmm. Todd. Todd. You have two daughters. Yes. I have two. I have
0: six and five. Man, a (laughs) handful. I get very fearful of the future to raise them. I want to raise them the right way, good values. You seem like you're doing pretty good as a father. Talk to me. What advice would you give any young
1: fathers, my my viewers, how to raise good kids? Well, first off, congratulations on being a girl, Dad. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know, I was like the typical man. I wanted boys till I had girls. Yes, me too. And my daughters are probably same as yours. They're about 18 months apart, 17 months apart in age. And let me tell you, becoming a parent, everyone tells you, ah, it's this, that. It's the greatest thing. It makes you live life differently. And now that my kids are kind of leaving the house, because as I said, my older daughter is in college. My younger one's going off to college. And next year at this time, she'll be in college. She's a senior now in high school. Uh, I've always had a great relationship with my kids. Yeah. But my thing has always been... I trust them. I really tell them the truth, and I explain that this is their life. Go make it as great as you want or screw it up. It ultimately is in my life. So I'm not the, the, the hovering parent. I don't push them to do things they don't want to do. I don't put Life 360 on their phones to see their moves. I don't care. It's their life. They have to do it their way. But I'm also not trying to be their friend. They have to understand that. I, I have so many people say, oh, I want to be friends with my kid. And I even know some people who think that's cool. They want to go out and like bring their kids to a club. I think that's insane. There has to be some sort of a boundary. Maybe when they're in their 20s or something, I'll have a different saying. But so. certainly at high school level, no. I'm not their friend. I'm their dad, but I'm their number one support team. I'm the one they'll call if there's a problem. But when things happen, I teach them. Even like I said before, you said about being unfazed. You know, My, my daughter, my young daughter, if something happens to her, like, she was driving a car and something hit her, like, it, it's just a piece of metal. As long as you just made this call to me, I could care less. So they learn to relax that way. They go after their own goals. Uh, I would love for them to come work with me one day, amazing. but I don't make them. They're free to do what they want. But I do have one rule. If they want to work here, they need to go work for another company for at least two years. They need to have real bosses and real people other than me. And then they're more than welcome to come here. But they do love real estate, thank God. That's so. amazing. <laughs> Dude, I should just got to just imagine
0: if my father owned a real estate company like yours, man, I would be all over the place. That's interesting, right? Like I come from a single family, my mom, single mom, uh, dad left. Very poor, very poor. And I see people whose fathers have multi- multiple businesses doing really well, and they, t- they pick something else. Mm-hmm. This, I, this makes sense to me. I'm an entrepreneur, I wanna do, you know, like if my parents, my father had a nice business, you know, show me the ropes, and like you said, right. I'll, I'll go some work somewhere else and I come. But why do you think that is?
1: You know, I read a lot, and I've read a lot of books about this, and, and I believe it's spot on correct. A lot of times, what you said is, you know, no money and you were a single bomb, and you had to struggle. That's a bigger advantage. Wealth could be a disadvantage. Right. Too many options is a disadvantage. And, you know, again, I talk about my daughters. She was getting all flustered, you know, applying to all these colleges because she was between USC and NYU and Columbia, Northeastern. And, 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 and she was getting crazy. Like she was getting all stressed out. I said, want me to make this easy for you? And she goes, yeah, what? I said, you could pick five schools in the state of Florida only. She goes, well, I don't want to go to any of them. I said, right. Because all these options are overwhelming you. And I believe that, you know, you hear about a lot of these people, you think their life is made. They have all these options and all this money and all this fame, some of these famous people's kids. It hurts them. These are unfortunately the kids that are more prone to using drugs and and not being successful. And it usually is, you know, the people we talk about today, you know, the Jeff Bezos, the the Elon Musk, these guys, the Mark Cubans. These guys didn't come from extraordinary wealth which is why it does dilute over generations. So I really believe that when you have so many options, like you said, you know, we would probably all watched Succession, and it was such a great show. I mean, sure. You own all this stuff, and none of these kids are capable of running a, a toy store. I mean, they can't do anything. Obviously, it's a TV show, sure. but a lot of that becomes reality. Yeah. So I yeah. even say, to even take it further, if I was the son or, or child of someone who's great at something and so successful, you might want to go a different path. Like, I don't know that Tiger, I mean, I'm not his parent, but I don't know Tiger Woods' kids should play golf. I don't know that Venus and Serena's kids should play tennis. I mean, yeah. I, don't know. I, I don't know that that's the best path because you're always in the shadow of your parent. Of course. I mean, back to Gordon Gecko, he, back in Douglas, who
0: you remind me quite a bit of this yeah. great suit on. His father was a big-time actor, Kirk right. Douglas. But, and, but then Michael's son became a drug addict. Yeah. And, you know, he's recovering now. And God bless him, but, you know, he struggled quite a bit. Yeah. You ever thought about doing acting? Hollywood, whatever? ever not even to it? Do you have the looks?
1: I never thought about being an actor. Yeah. I never thought about that level of work. I mean, I admire the hell out of it, but sure. no, that was never anything I wanted to do. No one approached you? I got approached for like little things back in the day, like when reality shows first started living in Miami. People would ask me about doing things, but none of them entertained me, which is ironic that I wound up on a reality show with my wife, let's talk and about I'm that. still not a fan of reality Let's, let's, let's shows. talk about
0: that. You're beautiful right white man. Mm-hmm. I've been watching
1: her for a long time. Her story is so inspiring. Yes. You know, Alexia... Um, talk to me. So, how would you meet her? So, I was single. Uh, unfortunately, I got a divorce, and my life. I was in that phase, and I was going out. And there's actually this restaurant that on Sundays becomes like a Sunday fun day, oh, like yes. bar place. So it was like five, six What's o'clock. Sea Spice. Yeah. And I'm at Sea Spice, and I don't know. It's probably seven, eight o'clock at night, and time to go home. So I'm having. I remember I'm sitting, there having an espresso and a pizza, and I go sit up by myself. And I'm kind of like on this bench. And I'm having my espresso, a little bit of pizza. You know, I had some drinks, and. Alexia, who I don't know at the time, she sits down right next to me at this bench and she's with a bunch of her friends and they're just sitting there talking. I just start talking next to, because I by myself. Wow. <laughs> I didn't get her name. I didn't get anything. Nothing. And then she talked for five, 10 minutes and she got up and walked away. And I was like, who was that girl? I said, I got to find out. And then after that, of course, the universe does work. And then like, I saw her a few weeks later and I started talking to her. And then, you know, from there... It took a few months before we actually went out. Okay. And then, uh, you know, she had a husband. She was divorced sure. at the time. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, well, she was separate, excuse me. Sure. And I would say it probably took about four or five months of just bumping into her and getting together. Then we finally went out on our first date. And I guess they say the rest is history. That's right.
0: <laughs> and you're on the show. Yes. Tell me the first day on the show. How was it, man? Like, well,
1: you know, the show's very interesting. Yes. Uh, I didn't know anything about reality TV. So, of course, they were trying to prep me and tell me, this and that which does make you a little bit nervous but they said you know just talk and be yourself yourself what i did learn is talk and be yourself but just remember they're going to edit it so i learned the hard way what you say in film is not necessarily what the viewer sees yeah and because this show was the real housewives of miami i always felt like well you're using certain snippets of the guys not just me all of the guys but we're not on the show so if the girls have a scene where it doesn't look good they have four more where it looks good so The viewer gets to know who they are. They don't really get to know who the guys are in Miami because we're in and out. So I learned the power of editing, uh, like I said, in season four, which is my first season. Kind of got me in season five. They got me. So for season six, they said, I'd like to remove myself as much as possible because I just don't enjoy the way the filming works out for me. So that's what I did. I kind of just backed away from it as much as I can. So season six is coming out soon. Season six starts uh, so next week, November you. You're not 1st. You're No, I'm, I'm in it actually in the first episode. Oh, okay. I have had the luxury of seeing the first that's episode. Amazing. So I'm in it a lot. Awesome. But I'm learning to keep myself out of the situations whereby it's like, like a situation like last year when a man is saying something to your wife you know from this kind of show, if you say nothing, you're going to get attacked of because course. everyone's going to say you didn't stand up for your wife and you let another man disrespect your wife. And then if you say something, oh, you went too far, you shouldn't have said it. So it depends on which way the producers decide right. to edit it. And I know no one likes to hear that, no but one. they're not going to show you a two-and-a-half-hour dinner. They're going to show you what they want to show exactly. you. So that's how the show rolls. So for me, it's not as enjoyable. Did it help you at all? I
0: think with, you know, as, you know, as they say... Was was cloud, you know, social
1: media cloud? I mean. Well, with social media, I would say in the beginning it did because I didn't really have many followers on social media back then. I wasn't doing videos. I wasn't. I didn't write a book or anything at that point. So that phase was probably coming, but certainly it helped. I don't necessarily know the people who are following me today are necessarily Housewife fans or they're following because they're more interested in real estate and business. Or Um, both, like me and my wife. Right. So there could be both. Yeah. But uh, I will say my wife's cloud. I mean, she's very powerful. I mean, literally, we we could be in Dubai, we could be in London, and people come from all over the world, which is really interesting. Because if people don't know about my wife is that you know you see her on a show, which is usually involves drinking and fighting and yeah, arguing in drama. But yes, in drama, but in the real life, this woman stops to talk to everybody and takes pictures with know, everybody, and she asks questions and like, there's a whole backstory. So she's a wonderful person in that way. So for That's her, it, it's, it's more of an invasion of privacy, but she's good at it and she's used to it. I accept it because people come to the table all the time and talk to you. But for me, when I'm by myself, nobody ever really bothers me. That's insane. Yeah.
0: I mean, you know, honestly, I didn't know you're humble as you are. I have, walked in, I'm like, man, <laughs> this guy's gonna be a little bit tough New Yorker. You know, you <laughs> know the, the suit's on, I saw your videos, and stuff. I'm, and the way you approached me, you approached my videographer, I mean, I was taken away. What do you say about that? Like, being humble, were you always as humble, or did life change
1: you? What Look, I am who I am. Uh, I think I was raised by great parents, and the good, the bad, the different, whatever you want to put, we're all a character. We're, um, we're all here because to serve a purpose. Uh, I think I probably have gotten more humble because I tell people to me life is different phases. I mean, I tell all the, the 17, 18, 19 year old kids, 20 year old kids, even older, that you know, your first phase in life is about earning, uh, learning, excuse me, learning. And then your second phase is where you take those tools and you go earn. Okay. And I see myself now in the third phase where I could buy as many more buildings as I want, but I don't really care about material objects so much. So that's irrelevant. So it's about giving back. And when I get to see the impact I have on like, we had an intern come in here, 17 years old, a junior in high school. And now I see him, he graduated high school. He was adamant he wasn't going to college. And this guy is thriving only two, three months into being a real estate agent. And he's doing what I wanted. And he comes in the other day, and he has three suits. He told me, he goes, I'm going to buy my fourth suit right now. And this kid's eighteen. He used to come in, in, you know, a hoodie and slides, and now he's like decked out in a suit at 18 years old. And I'll be I feel a tiny bit responsible for that. You should be. And when I go be. out and I meet people and like, you know, I wrote this book, as we said, I wrote all it and I said, I didn't want to go out and pitch a book. Yeah. That should have been keeping it real. But as you see on the top cover here, I said, I want to pitch this book. All proceeds of this book go to charity. I don't want to make any money off the book. So I give you my life story and I give people real estate 100%. advice. I don't make it done. Cost me a lot of money because I had to hire people I, to I help me a ask little you bit. i about that. Yeah. But wow. I give it away. So life yeah, makes you who you are. This is a, I mean, check this out. Where can we find it, Todd? You could buy it if you go to toddnapolo.com, okay. It brings you right to the link for one. Or you could certainly go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target. Everybody has this the book. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: We'll put a link on the video as well.
1: Todd, um,
0: like, you, you're very successful. Let's talk about that. And I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Like, you want to talk about how many properties you own? A lot. A
1: lot. A lot. Do you, have, do you remember the count I you kind, of, kind of lost count a little bit? You know, I probably lost count. Yeah. Uh, I could tell you if I woke up every day and looked at my balance sheet, that would probably drive me crazy sometimes. But uh, you don't do it. That's not what it's about. You know, I, I have no problem. A lot of people say, you know, I want to buy real estate and I want to make money from that property. And I want to buy a boat with the free cash flow. And I say, well, that's great. And you, There's nothing wrong with that. So the real estate is a means to an end for you to go out and buy the boat. To me, the real estate's always about multiplying and buying more and more real estate. That's so, it. how many buildings I own, I, I, I could tell you. I'm hundreds of millions of dollars in debt, and it's all good debt. I good don't debt. have any personal debt. Good debt, but it's just I want to keep buying more and more real estate. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't, you, you don't own the house you live in. Nope. See, I I,
1: I researched you, man. Yep. I I got you in there. I'm like that's it. Tell me about that. What's that about? Well, Rank don't say the same thing, right? So. A lot of people say the same yeah. thing, and some people take it the wrong way. It's actually comical because on the coming attraction of this year's show, they say, oh, Todd's having financial problems because we had to move. Yes, no. I heard that. We lived in a rental apartment. It well, wasn't a rental apartment. It was a condo, yes. but we rented it, Beautiful. and it was for sale, and it sold, so we had to move. So <laughs> I said... The only financial problem I have is like everyone in Miami is that I now only spend more money for lesser of an apartment because yes. rents have gone up. Oh, but, you know, that's just the clickbait yes, to get you in. Of course. But I have no problem with people owning homes. I'm not anti-home ownership. I'm anti being delusional. I owned homes when my kids were little because we wanted stability. We had the houses with the garages and the pools and everything. But it's not an investment. So... People get caught up in this. Well, I bought my house, and, and I and I know people are going to watch. Say, oh yeah, well, if you bought a house in Miami two years ago, it's worth so much more. And you, you're wrong. Yeah, and if I bought the Powerball ticket, that would be great too. But that's not an investment approach. You have to look at things over decades to see if it makes sense. Your home is funded by you. Your job, whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, whatever you want to be, your home is funded by you. Hence, it's not an investment. We pray it goes up in price, but historically speaking, it probably won't go up as much as the S and P 500. So it's not a great investment financially. It's a fantastic investment for your happiness. Just like getting a boat could be fantastic. Just don't kid yourself. Now, I was renting after I moved out when I said when I was first single, I left my wife and kids. They were in the house, and my kids would come stay with me part-time. So I rented an apartment. From there, Alex and I wanted to move into, we moved into a building together, and we got an apartment, and we rented. And then my kids came to live with us full-time, so we needed to move again. So we quickly moved again. And then Frankie came to live with us full-time, so we moved again. So we had to keep moving. Okay. So I said, it was a great thing that I didn't own an apartment because how could I have sold these apartments without losing a lot of money in transaction fees? I don't have any insecurities, and I love the fact that sometimes people say, like what one of the girls in the show says, if he doesn't own a home, he must have financial problems. Yes. I just feel bad for the good people who are out there renting who yes. think there's a stigma towards it because I can buy any home I want. Exactly, or we know. I could buy any home I want. I know. <laughs> but that's what life is. People put that on you, and I said, and now I'm renting again yeah. because I want the flexibility to move because as I said, my older daughter went off to college. My younger daughter's leaving. So guess what? It's just Alexi, myself, and Frankie. We could go anywhere. We may go to Coconut Grove. We may go to Sunny Island. We can go anywhere we want. Yeah. So I like flexibility. My wife likes home ownership, so she may win the battle, and I won't say, I want to say it on record, that I won't buy a place <laughs> because like she I, she will buy, I will buy an yeah. apartment. Or I will buy a home. Sure. I prefer a condo, truthfully. Sure. I will, I just won't say it's an investment. It's just an investment in happiness. How about insane. that? That's insane. Good stuff. We'll wrap it up soon, shortly. You're a busy man. Last question. the so name of your company, what's it called? Current Capital Real Estate Group. Okay. So Current Capital Group. So are you taking, do you, get, do you take investors? Like? We do some properties with investors, okay. but for the most part, Current Capital is a group of companies that basically structured in property management and leasing. We don't really broker any deals, but we do that for third-party accounts, so not every property we manage is our own and the properties we own as well. Now, in the last few years, I have started doing some deals with partners and friends and family members and things like that just to buy more and more properties. And we'll continue to do that. And I continue to buy properties on my own. 2023 has been a very interesting year. I have not bought a single property. Uh, I actually had a deal to buy a property and I can't do it till next year because unfortunately it's tied up in litigation. It's nothing to do with me, but the seller. So uh, that'll carry over to next year. But there's really been no deals this year, which is okay because the economy in south florida has been great so i'm more concerned my tenants doing well and the property is doing well but deal wise, been very slow south
0: florida south florida economy is doing really well yeah really well last question for you my friend your daily habits your routine for me it's super important i wake up in the morning i meditate i have a list of gratitude i do my money statements all that good stuff how about you Todd? what do you do
1: very similar to that uh i think we all are creatures of habits and i follow things so For the last, however long I can remember, I do wake up in the morning and I don't know where I read it, but before I get out of bed, before I touch my phone, before I do anything, I'm blessed that I have a view of the ocean. I look out my window and I think of five things I'm always grateful for. And item number one is always the fact that I woke up. Because as long as you wake up, it's going to be a good day. That's the truth. Uh, And I start with that. Then I take it outside. I go to my uh, living room because Lex is probably sleeping. But at that point, I start my reading i'll have an espresso or a juice or something like that and because of david goggins now i do push-ups every morning oh my i said it doesn't even count as a workout but he's like why don't you do them so i make sure i get a 100%. thousand push-ups in every single week you. so i do my push-ups looking good and then you know that's early in the morning and then by 8 8 15 in the morning i'm in my car on the way to work and the day begins living the life um i have one other question R- where can we find you todd you can find me at well, I'm obviously Todd Napola if you want to see my Instagram videos which are very They're inspiring amazing. for real estate guys and business people. It's a life according to Todd. Uh, I do have some help with social media. So these guys have a TikTok account. I think it's just Todd Napola. Uh, our website is Current Capital Group. And certainly the most important is get this book. Please. You're gonna read, you're gonna learn, and you're gonna donate to a good cause. So it's all great. I gotta auto- go to autograph a version, Todd. You're amazing. God Absolute pleasure, you. KB. Thanks Thank for having you.
0: me.